This is Womb, the podcast that celebrates the power of rebirth. I'm your host, Nova Cobbin, and on this show, we'll hear from amazing women who dared to rediscover who they are. Women who reignited long-lost passions, took bold leaps of faith, and reimagined their futures in ways they never thought possible. Each week, we'll be inspired by the stories of strength, courage, and resilience. Stories that remind us it's never too late to start anew. There are always second chances, new beginnings, and opportunities for rebirth. So join us as we explore the journeys of phenomenal women who reinvented themselves and created the lives they've always dreamed of. Welcome to Womb Rebirth. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to our new episode of the podcast. Today, I have with me Naomi Holbrook. And Naomi is an international midlife transformation mentor and best-selling co-author whose passion is empowering women to revolutionize their happiness, health, and hormones in midlife. Very, very important. I'm there as well. Uh, Naomi created her unique SMART formula, which has since helped hundreds of women globally to break free of a lifetime of dieting, amazing, come off antidepressants and other prescription medication, finally get their menopause symptoms under control, and start to live the lives that they truly deserve. She became an Amazon best-selling co-author in March 2022 and has been featured in various publications, Health and Wellbeing, Natural Health, Boots Magazine, iWeekend, and has also been featured on multiple primetime TV programs over the last 30 years. And she lives by herself in the lovely seaside town of Hove in the UK, which you can see in her beautiful background right now. <laughs> Hi, Naomi. Hi, and thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. Oh, well, you are very welcome, and it's really lovely to have you here on the podcast today. So we are going to be talking all about rebirth and exploring your rebirth story or stories, because I know that there's more than one that you've experienced. <laughs> um, so let's just start with uh, what, in your eyes, what does rebirth mean to you? Yeah, and I think it is a really interesting word, and maybe if you'd even asked me that word a few years ago, I'd have kind of just looked a bit blank at you but I think for me rebirthing has felt a little bit more like unbecoming mm, um, yeah. and it's something I when in the in the book that I co-authored in it's something I talked about in my chapter is that uh, it's not always about becoming anything new sometimes it's about unbecoming everything that we thought we were meant to be and I think that's where my rebirthing has been that it's about being you know it's about letting layers go that just don't serve us anymore that maybe helped us to protect us at certain periods of our life that we needed them but mm. we need to carry them through into this second half and this next season of life yeah absolutely I love that and I think that unbecoming word just really kind of illustrates that idea of you know I always say to people like we're never we can never go back we're always moving forward even if we're revisiting the past or bringing the past with us we're still experiencing it from a very different position in life and a very different perspective. So we're never fully going back. But I love that idea of kind of unbecoming all of the things that we thought we were so that we can embrace the new version of us. Embrace yeah, it. Absolutely. Especially in this season of life. I think, you know, I, from my own perspective and by the signs from you, when we talked, when you said about hormones, sort of midlife, menopause, on that journey myself too. And we do get stuck in this, kind of place where like you say some sometimes men and women are trying to get back who they were but if I look at that yes that woman that girl she served me she got me to here today 
but she's not the version of me that I want to go forwards with. She's not going to be the person that helps me to become everything I want to be over the next, who knows, maybe 40 years, maybe even 50 years. Mm. So I think that rebirthing, that unbecoming, that shedding layers and cloaks and all those other things is um, liberating and empowering. Certainly has been for me. Yeah, I mean, even the metaphor itself, right? As soon as that weight of that layer comes off, you're lighter. So the metaphor works really beautifully. Yeah. Okay, Naomi, let's dig into your (laughs) story. So where would you like us to begin? Oh, my word. Well, I guess you kind of have to begin at the beginning, don't you? So childhood, I guess, for me, um, you know, I had a beautiful childhood loving family, everything that, you know, I could wish for, grew up in a beautiful place in Devon, all those wonderful things. But school was never easy for me. I had a lot of childhood illnesses, whooping cough, asthma, um, you know, always had respiratory problems, but also I had scoliosis at birth. So I was always suffering from, you know, um, neck problems, back problems, spending six weeks of the summer holidays in neck braces, which at the age of kind of 10, 12, when you're a girl already struggling with sort of body image um, sort of issues was never, ever an easy thing for me. So I think sort of adolescence for me was a really, really traumatic time. Um, And then at the age of 12, when I was 12, my fabulous mum, who I absolutely adored and who was, you know, I guess my kind of, you know, female role model, really strong, um, she became chronically ill. And uh, we, as a family, kind of battled a seven-year chronic illness with her until when I was 19, she passed away. Oh, my goodness. So throughout my childhood, there'd been lots of trauma, lots of, I, from even the age of sort of 12, looking back, you know, now had really sort of already been suffering with sort of depression and anxiety and very low self-confidence, low self-worth, which of course, as a 12-year-old, 15-year-old, you don't know that's what it is, but it sort of manifested in various different ways. Even at the age of 14, I was taken in for psychiatric sort of um, care in hospital that was, you know, triggered by my mum's illness. It was a time that I couldn't cope. I didn't know how to speak about it. And one thing I've really, really realised is that, you know, in the in the 80s and the 90s, so much was brushed under the carpet. You know, you didn't stiff up a lip. We're British. Let's get on with it. Let's kind of all pull together. And, you know, there was no um, no help, no kind of support back then. Like, you know, we openly speak about mental health and depression now, or it certainly is getting better. So there were lots of labels, probably a lot that I put on myself. Uh, you know, ill and, um, you know, teenage, you know, sort of teenage illnesses. I wasn't sporty at school. I put all these different labels on me. But of course, these labels were also put on me. My school, some of my school teachers, you know, labeled me as slow, uh, kind of, you know, special needs, all those different things, because I was just constantly trying to catch up with myself. A lot of it, you know, I was you know, it's only been realized in the last few years, but actually a lot of that was probably trauma blocking my learning ability, my understanding of things. Um, And as an adolescent, you don't understand how to process all those different emotions. You don't know what what they mean. So um, I guess that sort of that part of childhood is really, really important because it's only the last few years I've realized what impact that's had on every single stage of my life and then I threw myself (laughs) literally 
threw myself into a 20 year career. So my mum passed away when I was 19, 20, I packed my bag and my little Nova Merit and got in the car and drove up the M25. And I started my career in luxury hospitality uh, and, and the wellness industry back in uh, 1995. Um, and literally, literally threw myself into my career. And looking back now, I can see that a lot of that was a need for validation, mm-hmm. um, a need for belonging. I felt very, very lost when my mum passed away. Um, and I think there was a lot of just needing to feel, yeah, that I was achieving in in life. And I think at that time, the only way I knew how to do it was to work hard mm-hmm. and to, you know, prove my self-worth in that way. Yeah, especially after you'd had all of those labels placed on you, actually to break out of that by thinking, well, I'm just going to go and do this thing and throw myself into my career and not actually, even though I'm sure there were parts of you that did buy into the labels or, 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 or were very affected by the labels, there was still another really strong part of you that was like, it doesn't matter, I'm going to go and do it anyway. And I think looking back, there was a lot of fear, but I just... I guess it was that thing of what you know what's what's worse <laughs> Be, okay. being in a situation or throwing myself into a completely different situation where maybe I don't know the outcome but maybe it will be better maybe it will you know take some of the pain away some of those sort of feelings away um and yeah I think that was that was some of the probably some of the sort of motivation behind doing that but in a way as well I didn't I didn't know then that I was going to have a successful 20-year career I just went into the first job and you know we talk nowadays about imposter syndrome and it's something that so many women come to me with they're hugely successful in their industry or their own business and yet they you know just fear that any minute now they're going to get caught out as they kind of say and oh gosh I for the last four years in my career I used to walk around with my resignation in my in my bag that's how low my self-esteem and my kind of confidence was that I was always thinking towards the end any minute now I'm I'm going to be asked to you know leave the industry or leave my leave my career and leave the job I'm in it's only really the last few years that I have got rid of that feeling and yes of course every now and then that little bit of um question of self-belief crops up Mm. that's why I have coaches and mentors probably the same as you because when we hit those little moments of oh my gosh can I really do this and having somebody there to kind of voice it and and get you out of your own head but yet that years ago would have kept me from applying from for a promotion or it would have kept me from asking a guy out on a date all sorts of things that whole oh my gosh what if what if, what if, um, which, yeah, like you say, I think, you know, it's, it's something that can hold and not just women. I, you know, a lot of men, even, even though my clients are all female, I have a lot of men reach out to me who say, you know, I know that you're always talking to women on your various different platforms and things, but so much of it resonates with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we just assume that it's just women, but I think, I think a lot of us probably, and, you know, talking about rebirth and and womb, I think a lot of us come out the womb with a, a stick to beat ourselves with and this kind of complexity of, just feeling that judgment and you know we're not good enough and all those different things yeah and you're absolutely right I mean this podcast is aimed at women and yet even this morning I was talking to somebody and and they were just he was describing the exact same thing of like I feel like it's a second life you know like I've gone past this life and now I'm entering into a second life 
and and it's we mean we know that a kind of midlife crisis can happen no matter what gender you are you know it doesn't matter but there is a point at which we kind of I think come to this knowing that we have to either we're going to keep going down the same trajectory towards something that we don't want or we are going to have to make a change and the time in which we've got left to make that change is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and and that's and that's exactly where I was I guess at 39 when I had the kind of the I guess the first rebirth really in so much as you know I was I was newly I say newly single I um had split up in my long-term relationship when I was 37 I'd had major spinal surgery at 36 oh wow lit up from my long-term relationship when I was 37 which you know as a as a single career as a as a career woman who is child-free at that point lots of questions lots of what are you going to do now and all that sort of thing and um you know I was incredibly unhealthy physically mentally and emotionally I'd carried so much trauma and depression for so many years and really battled it silently I hadn't wanted to ever discuss it in my career for fear of being judged, fear of being fired, fear of, you know, my name, that name and reputation getting around that, you know, especially back then, mental health just wasn't talked about. And I was incredibly unhealthy, 39, clinically obese, went to see my GP about something and basically was told, you know, you're sort of borderline diabetic. And that for me was like a real, oh crap, you know, sort yourself out. And so that, that was the first stage of the rebirth in so much as, actually gave up drinking alcohol for nine months Mm -hmm. Um, amazing I uh you know had had a pretty bad relationship with alcohol from teenagers 20s 30s either used it for soothing breakups used it for you know stressing de-stressing after a you know tough week at work all those different things so I made some real lifestyle choice you know changes in in uh at 39 and I do think that that rebirth (laughs) then kind of you know, moved on to the next one, on to the next one. I think, again, like I say, that kind of unbecoming. At 39, I started to unbecome all the things I thought I was. Um, And it kind of gave me that clarity and then allowed me to, yeah, to move on to the next one. So just paint a picture for us around that age of how you were actually feeling about yourself. Honestly, I look back now, internally, I was in turmoil and chaos. Mm-hmm. um you know using food as kind of em- an emotional support using alcohol as an emotional support I was people pleasing everybody to the detriment of myself even family members loved ones you know doing everything for them that was probably a lot of the time putting me in a place that was making my emotional well-being quite poor and quite low on the on the sort of priority scale everything internally felt like chaos externally people thought I was so successful I had this incredible career my own home a nice car lovely holidays you know could go off whenever I wanted to weekends of you know dining out lovely restaurants all those sorts of things but internally I was a complete and utter mess I was so unfulfilled I didn't know what that word meant back then but I do now because I feel that I am so fulfilled but I just felt so unfulfilled in life I felt like I was just trying to find all these I guess physical and um, material things to fulfill my life Mm -hmm. but none of them were ever working. Unfortunately a really common thing and it's 
that I, you know, if I, if I can, if I can kind of externally create happiness, then maybe I will internally feel happiness. I think the other thing that I'm hearing as a pattern is that people make one change and that one change or that one shift or that one little thing that they do regularly, like journaling or something like that, just opens a window. And when that window is open, you can start to see the world outside and you're like, "Hmm, maybe there's a bit more of that I could have. And it sounds for you like maybe when you were 39 and, and you had that chat with a doctor and you decided to sort of make some changes that that was your window opening to the next to the next one. Yeah. So 41 at 41, um, December 2015, my mental health was in complete tatters. I was at the lowest of the low and yet turning up to corporate world every single day, you know, suited and booted and holding meetings and putting it on like there was nothing going on. And of course, we all know that that mask is absolutely exhausting. I was literally counting down the minutes every day until it was like, I can get out of the office, I can go home. And I was practically coming home to my apartment every night and crying, drinking, um, feeling so incredibly lonely and isolated. And, you know, people think it's really strange because I had so many friends. I was, you know, what people would have called popular, but I felt so lonely and so isolated. And I guess I did, you say midlife crisis. So many people thought I was having a midlife crisis, but I do now refer to it as my midlife awakening. And I had two mortgages on my own. I was single. I had some savings, but nothing like, you know, nothing like I could sort of retire on a nice uh, island or anything. And I literally went into the office in that December and I gave in my resignation. And I felt the greatest sense of relief, even though there was a huge amount of fear, two mortgages, how am I going to pay for everything? And also, what am I going to do? I had no idea what else to do. I was just like, but like we said about the whole the pain of staying the same or the pain of change, I thought the pain of change cannot be any greater than the pain that I'm feeling right now. And so I walked out the door. I walked out in the January because I, you know, obviously served sort of an osis period, but I walked out in the January, January the 6th, 2016, will always stay in my memory. Um, And yeah, to the unknown. I think there's something wonderful, maybe because uh, it's resonating with my own story, but I do think there's something wonderful about having this drive from, this is what I do not want to go back to. I will not go back there. And I I had a similar sort of period of time where I was trying to run my own business and I had uh, my son on my own and we needed money to keep a roof over our heads. So I was doing anything. I was buying stuff at auction and reselling it. I was making pastries and selling them to the local bakers. I was making hot dogs and taking them to like festivals and, you know, sewing things on socks and selling them on eBay. It's just a ridiculous like patchwork of things. But with this strong motivation of I will not fail and go back because I am going this way and I wouldn't even say it's motivated by fear of going back there it's just a drive and a desire to not ping back to the same level that we were at before yeah and I suppose that that is a fear thing essentially I'm probably just trying to evade it because I don't like to think of it that way (laughs) um but it is a fear thing but if you're going to be driven by fear then be driven by that yeah in a a positive way yeah it's really interesting you say that 
So many women that I speak to, the word fear, the word shame, all these emotions that we have portrayed as negative Mm. are so positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I never thought I would be the person that says this. As a child, I feared change. I, you know, after my mum died, I feared my dad dying. I feared anything happening to any of my family members. I feared change. I feared, you know, my dad moving to a different house, all those things. Now I'm like, bring it on. Give me some fear because it makes me feel alive and it pushes me to that next level that I want to become. And in that process, there's another rebirth. It's messy. You know that (laughs) there's another rebirth that brings us another layer of ourselves that we, or another version of ourselves that we never knew we'd get to meet. And that's, that's kind of what excites me nowadays. It's like, who am I going to be this time next year? Yeah. I'm going to be six months. Yeah. I absolutely, I'm so driven by that idea. And, you know, I know with um, the first people who don't know, they can have a look at, but the, for the operations that I've had, for me, that fit, I'm really driven by like, well, let's see who I am when that happens. Let's, you know, let's figure out what that journey and that challenge it looks like. Like I'm psyched for it. Let's do it. And, and everyone else is sort of very kindly and very gently and very compassionately being like, are you okay? You know, this must be really scary. And I'm like, it is scary and it is a big change, but I'm excited to find out who I am when I face that challenge. Yes. And it's, it's actually really nice to speak to someone who has <laughs> <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, never thought I would say that about fear. But also I think, you know, I didn't leave my career to become an entrepreneur, you know, I never would have said the word entrepreneur and my name together again, because at school I was told I would never amount to anything. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll have a little job. And I, you know, back then obviously Woolworths was our local store. And I was told that you'll be lucky if you get a job on the pick and mix at Woolworths. And that was kind of, yeah. And that was, you know, those things were things that stuck in my memory so for me to think that at 41 I could leave a successful 21 year career and then have success in my own business where as you know it is all your responsibility but I do think that resilience and resourcefulness have probably been two key attributes for me probably in the whole of my life maybe I didn't realize them at the time but I think they're two key attributes that have helped me to navigate all the challenges the rebirths because again the rebirths are so messy that some people start the rebirth and then they're kind of like quickly Mm -hmm. yeah of course yeah but of course as soon as those contractions have started there's no (laughs) stopping it it's coming whether you're ready for it or not (laughs) and I have this year they just like you they just come out of nowhere don't they when you're when you're like you say kind of working through all the inner stuff and becoming who you always were meant to be but you didn't know then we go through those you know those kind of rebirth phases yes and of course the the biggest thing about having a rebirth as you said it's messy but every time we have a rebirth there's also a death yes the the two have to go hand in hand and so we're afraid of the rebirth not just because of what it's going to look like when we've been reborn for want of a better word but also because we are saying goodbye to a a part of ourselves that is not going to survive that change and Mm. that it's going to have to die at that point and that is why I think just as you described we do go through a grieving process and I think it's helpful to go through a grieving process and to properly say goodbye because that part of you the 
the energy that you've lived in in that version of you is not going to be there anymore you can feel it and you can access it and you can remember it but it's not going to come with you and that feels very scary I think yeah because as human beings we are hardwired to want stability to want familiarity and you know years ago I had no idea about how the brain worked and subconscious brain and conscious brain and it's why I work on it with all my clients because I know that unless we do that nothing changes a we don't get the external transformation we're looking for but we also don't find that inner fulfillment or we don't create it and yeah I think that's that's a really, really key learning too, that we, like you say, we have to grieve, we have to grieve each part that we leave behind. But I also think for me now, heading into this next season with menopause, I think it is making this journey much easier, much less complicated. I also have an aging father that I am now, you know, when I say looking after, not in a, you know, not physically kind of looking after, but as in, looking after his well-being, thinking of his future. If you told me four years ago that I would be dealing with all those things now in the way that I am, I wouldn't have believed it. But I do believe that it's because of those rebirths and those unbecomings that I'm now the person that can deal with all these things. And I was talking with one of my mentors the other day and she was like, how are you? There's so much going on. And I was kind of like, I'm so calm. I can't believe it. It's always like, <laughs> like who is this version of me? And we kind of joked and said, you know, the calm, the calm within the chaos. And yet there was no calm within my chaos. It was chaos within chaos. Yeah. And everything was so unaligned and interesting. You use the word balance, but I often think about harmony Mm -hmm. because I don't think balance really exists in the world and the, you know, in in what we live in now in the 21st century I don't think there really is balance but I think if we can create that harmony with our mental our physical our emotional all those different beings spiritual as well then yeah we have this kind of calm and inner peace that allows us to prepare for the next part without all that fear yes yeah that, that so often holds so many people back and held me back for years, held me back in every area of my life for years, that fear of being judged, that fear of failure, that fear of success. You know, when I first started my business, I was so scared of, so fearful of having success. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Me too. And I think it's, I think that's another big area that women and women in particular, I think, um, Mm. but also men I've seen it in, but yeah, that, that idea of being successful is something to be scared of because it is, because you're more visible, because you've got more to, to lose. There's so many other things that go along with that. You know, what if I turn into an asshole the minute I'm, you know, <laughs> become really successful? What if I'm a complete arrogant, um, you know, egotistical, unbearable person to be around? And all yep. of those kind of versions of you that you think are going to be who you will be at that point are kind of like little demons going no you don't want to be here because this is what you're going to turn into and I think to your idea of kind of feeling peaceful inside yourself and being who am I when you sort of felt that feeling I think that's another sort of little tip that I think is is a good thing to pull out is that 
when you feel that inside you, I think it's really good to kind of like acknowledge and sort of sink into that a little bit. You know, if I'm, if I have a moment of, of calm or I'm having a bad day and I have a moment of peace, I'm like, oh, hi, <laughs> there you are, there you are. And then I can kind of grab hold of it and expand on it. But I think it's too easy just to kind of not even recognize those moments sometimes or, or give them the sort of greeting or, or the acknowledgement that they need in order for you to actually grab hold of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, gratitude has been something that has been high on my agenda since 2019. Um, 2019, I, I say I had a nervous breakdown. My psychotherapist said, no such thing as a nervous breakdown. It's a kind of low, low depression. But I went, even though I was kind of, when I say at my happiest in so much as left my corporate career, started my own business, 25, 26 years of stuffing all that emotional health, poor health down, had to come out at some point. And it did in, in 2019. And again, it was another huge pivotal moment, a huge rebirth for me because I went into my doctor's surgery. I couldn't even speak. I literally had to write down you know, how long this had been going on for, how how I felt about, you know, everything. And um, the option was, you know, NHS waitlist, probably for a year to a year and a half, might not have a specialist who can deal with trauma that has been there for this many years, or, you know, refer yourself and go privately. And I went privately and I found the most amazing psychotherapist and I worked with her for, I think it was nearly 20 months, 18, 20 months, and my word, again, another rebirthing. So messy. It was a, it was a like an 18 to 20 month labor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. There was some, there were some highlights in between, but the contractions were messy. They were painful. They were disruptive. They were all those different things. But I have no regrets of going through that journey. It has helped me to move to a whole new version of me. So much that I was holding on to for nearly 30 years um and just not doing me any good and also I you know look now I wasn't being the best daughter I could be I wasn't being the best friend I could be I wasn't being the best neighbor in my community that I could be because I was dealing with all these things going on and actually releasing so many of those different things has you know made me a better person for everybody so bring us up to speed now where are you now? You mentioned your relationship with your father. How is that now? Amazing. And, and <laughs> yeah, just just show us the difference between where you were and where you are now after these rebirths. Yeah. So, you know, I used to appear to be this confident person, but internally, you know, everything and even even, you know, recording this podcast with you, I might have done it. But I would have literally beforehand been, you know, questioning myself. Are you good enough to do this? Does anybody want to listen to what you've got to say? And it's funny because I think people perceive when you have confidence that that's ego. And when you don't have confidence, it's not ego. And what I've realized, of course, is that actually it's the opposite way around. Yeah. <laughs> the ego stops you from asking for help. The ego makes you think you know everything in the world and you're never going to learn anything else. Yes. Why have I invested in so many mentors, coaches, a psychotherapist over the last four years? Because I know that I don't know diddly. 
I know, you know, even though I'm an expert in my field, I still know so little about so many things. So I embrace learning new, asking for help, reaching out to people that have either already got there or I know that can give me that expertise. I am no longer, I'm a reformed people pleaser. (laughs) And yet the odd thing is, I feel like I please people more now Mm -hmm. because I do it in a different way. I have, and I'm not always a massive fan of the word boundaries, but it's something I help the ladies that come to, you know, my clients that come to me, they have no boundaries. They do everything for everybody. And they're always saying, I can't put myself first. And one thing I say is, It's not about putting yourself first. It's about putting yourself at the same level as everybody else. And I think that's something that helped me to get to, you know, where I am now. I will help anybody and everybody, but not if it means at the detriment of myself. And, you know, I've even with my father, who I've, you know, always adored, but also times when my mum passed away, there were some difficulties within our relationship, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I would say that as I have healed over the last four years, our relationship has just blossomed into a whole different relationship. Very, very different. It's not like a father-daughter relationship anymore. It's very, very close. We speak very openly. One thing I promised myself in 2019 when I first started having psychotherapy was I'm not hiding anything else from my dad anymore. I'm telling him what I've been dealing with. He doesn't need to feel the shame or the guilt or anything at all. It's my journey, but but I'm not hiding any of this anymore. And and I think also that honesty with, you know, I've been honest with all my friends. And, and of course, you lose a few people along the way because not everybody wants you to change. Some people want you to be that version of you that did give all those things to them and maybe made them feel better about themselves and all those different things. But I am truly the happiest, the most fulfilled, the healthiest, the fittest, because, you know, I told you I'm climbing a mountain in six weeks. I know. (laughs) Amazing. Listen, that's going to be another rebirth. There is going to be a whole new version of me rebirthed on that mountain because undoubtedly it, of course, there's fear there, you know, physical, mental, it's going to be the most physically and mentally challenging thing I will have ever done in my life but why did I sign up for it? For that exact reason, because I'm excited to meet the version who comes down off that mountain. Yes. Naomi, it has been a journey and a wonderful journey. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that you are the version that you are now who wanted to come on the podcast and tell us that story, because I think it's a really important story. And I know it's going to impact people to hear it as well, because I think that we've talked about some things that are common to a lot of people, the way in which you're feeling. And then there's some things that people will never have experienced, but will be interested to hear about. So um, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to add to our listeners before we go? Do you know, I think the only thing, and I know you sort of asked me something, if there was like tip or anything at all. And I think, like you said, a lot of your listeners are probably also in the season of midlife and change and all these different things. And one thing that I have learned to do now, and it took a long time, is switch off the external noise. I know it's not always easy, but other people will always have an opinion, a judgment, a comment. Mm -hmm. 
And if I hadn't listened to all those people, although I, I have zero regrets, even with everything that's happened in my life, every obstacle, every chaos, every contraction, all of it, I have no regrets because it's got me to where I am today and will pivot me forwards. But try to tune into your own intuition and your gut. And there's one thing that I say to myself now for everything, whether it's in my personal life, my professional life, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. I love that. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story with us. We're going to put all of your links so that people know how to get hold of you and how to follow you um, with the podcast. So um, look out for all of those. Um, and I think you've got some things that you're going to link us into as well, which we can add to the podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you to everyone listening. And I will see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not download the Womb app? It's going to help you to understand what a rebirth is and how to have all for yourself. Join in the chat rooms, download the materials and programs and get monthly coaching and monthly networking, all for the price of $6.99 a month. Download now in the App Store or Google Play Store.